Hello, my name is Ed Palmer and welcome to Is Me and Conversation. Is Me and Conversation is a podcast that's all about providing advice for business leaders. Each episode features an expert guest, most often a business owner themselves, sharing practical, implementable tips and advice for business leaders. On this episode, we're going to be sharing some of the pieces of advice from across the series that have resonated the most. I'm a business owner myself, and there's real value in these clips. First up, we have Louise Holloway, director of the People Partner HR and Training. We discussed common HR issues that spring up, and here's some of the advice that she offered. You mentioned the lack of communication being the biggest problem, the most common form of problem that a business is going to come across or have existing in their organization in terms of HR. What do you do to solve those things? What are the most important things that a business can have or put in place so that those problems don't arise? Training, training for the managers. Um, I think a lot of the time the communication is not because people don't want to talk, they're scared to talk. They don't know what they can and can't say. They don't know how they can say it. Or they're worried, you know, oh, we can't tell everybody this because this is confidential. So we say nothing. And it's it's really spending that time with the management team to understand what they can say. There's very little that you can't say, to be honest. But to understand how to say things and how to keep that communication going and getting those right processes in place so that it becomes something that you do regularly rather than, oh, we've got this happening, we probably better go and talk to people. Why do we have managers who are potentially not proficient or comfortable managing people? It's not something that they necessarily think about when they move up into that step. Look, a lot of managers are people who are really good at doing the job. They are people who have done the job, they've got the skills to do the tasks or whatever the doing the do is. What they haven't considered when they are promoted or what the people who've promoted them haven't considered is, are they actually people people? Are they interested in working as being a people manager? Do they have the skill set? And so many managers are promoted on the basis of their previous performance without thinking about what all those new roles are, that they will need to have those difficult conversations that they will need to manage people's performance, that they will need to sometimes say, no, sorry, I've known you for years, but actually you're not doing it right. Those are the things that we don't train managers on. We just kind of expect them to pick it up along the way. Now, in episode 15, I caught up with Davide Sola from Strategy in Action. Davide is also a professor of business strategy, and this is one of the pieces of advice that he offered that really resonated. You know, I I was very, very fortunate, so I I work with great people. In strategy, you learn really by looking at other people. One great piece of advice I receive, and I treasure it all the time, and this is particularly important for businesses that are on the scaling up phase, is to be patient to grow but impatient to create value. Think about uh, the notion of growth. We talk a lot about unicorns and uh, super fast growth, but those companies, many of them, they become a unicorn and then they deflate and they're sold for a few dollars if they are sold because they fail to create value. And a lot of students of mine, I, I still teach, as I mentioned before, they say, oh, David, you're so traditional 
And I said, no, it's not a question of traditional. It's a question I believe in statistics. So if something cannot create value on a small scale, which is called in statistics a sample, it's not because the sample gets bigger that they will create value because fundamentally the logic is wrong. I really advise, and this was told by me by a very famous professor called Clayton Christensen, he said, you need to be impatient to create value. You need to find the formula by which you come up with something that customers are prepared to pay, directly or indirectly, more than what it costs you. If you don't do that, eventually, you know, the laws of economics and the laws of business will bring you back to reality. And you may have very deep pocket daddy that pays the bill, call it investors, call it, you know, banks, but eventually they will come back to you and say, I need the money back. But on the other hand, once you have found value creation, then you can grow very fast. Be patient to grow doesn't mean to be slow. A patient person is a person that takes a decision when he has sufficient facts. If you'd like to hear more from David A, check out his episode on business strategy. Here's a clip from my conversation with Laura Daniel. Laura has a company called We Grow Startups, and unsurprisingly, they grow startups. They do digital marketing, but I asked Laura about business owners who try their digital marketing themselves, and this is what she had to say. Not everybody is engaging the expertise of someone like yourself. So what does DIY digital marketing look like? And what mistakes are people making if they go down that road? I think starting yourself is really important. And the things that a business should do themselves is their organic social marketing, definitely. So no one knows your brand and your business better than you. So you being the one that posts on, if you're a B2B business, posts on LinkedIn, uh, that writes your bio, that is regularly posting and engaging with your audience there, whether that's on Instagram or TikTok, whatever the audience is, where it becomes more challenging, I suppose, and where I think it is advantageous to bring in experts is when you start to engage with paid digital advertising, where you're putting budget behind it. And you really want to make sure that you know, what is that budget delivering for me? Is it driving valuable actions? You know, if I'm selling a product, is it driving an ad to car? Is it driving a purchase? And that setup is more complex. It's not impossible to do yourself, but I think you'd spend quite a long time Googling and watching YouTube videos, learning how to do that. But the most important thing and the mistake that I see businesses making is that they don't have sufficient tracking in place. So before you put any money into paid advertising, tracking is the most essential thing. So that means having Google Analytics set up so that you can track website behavior as a customer behavior on your website. And it also means um, having the relevant marketing pixels on your website as well. So if you want to do Facebook and Instagram advertising, you need a meta pixel on your website. And that means that Facebook will be able to understand the impact of ads that you serve. So does someone go on to view multiple pages? Do they go on to click add to basket? Do they go on to submit a lead form? What happens after they see that ad? And if you don't have these tracking pixels, you can end up, they're not understanding what your advertising is doing or focusing on metrics that actually aren't that important. Um, and a website developer would be able to help you to set up that sort of tracking. The Is Me In Conversation podcast series features businesses of all kinds, each with insights that are going to benefit other business leaders. Here's a clip of my conversation with Lindsay Domingo from Exena Consulting, all about data security. Can you give us an overview of the processes that businesses should have in place when it comes to data protection? 
topics. So first of all, the very starting point is you need to understand, you need to have an inventory of what data you're processing. What are your data processing activities? Whether it's payroll, you're processing personal data for payroll, whether you're using for marketing, because data is all around us. But that has to be the starting point because uh, that's the fundamental building block. And if companies don't have that, then then they don't know what they're doing and there's no way they're going to manage and control the data. So that's a starting point, having a clear inventory. And next to that, there are a few other building blocks that you're required to put in place. That's stated in GDPR, that's stated in the Information Commissioner's guidance. So these other pieces are you need to be transparent and generally that's achieved through having a privacy notice that basically tells data subjects what you're doing with their data, how you're collecting it, how long you're storing it for. Then you need to have some procedures in place for enforcing the rights of data subjects. So for example, they can submit a subject access request. You also need to have policies and procedures in place to prevent to assess and to report any data breaches because those things do happen in real life. You need to have a training program in place. You need to train your team on their obligations with respect to processing data. In addition to that, you are expected to undertake a number of risk assessments. So these are things called data protection impact assessments, transfer risk assessments. All these are requirements which you have to do. Unfortunately, it's not something we can avoid. You are required by the regulations to to undertake those. And last but not least, organizations, irrespective of their size, need to have in place some information security controls to ensure the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability of the data that they are processing. That's from my conversation with Lindsay. It contains all kinds of advice on risk assurance, information security, and compliance. Please do check it out. Now, Larkenby are an organization that specializes in helping companies apply corporate values to build a successful company culture. I spoke with Erica Clegg from Larkenby to discuss exactly that. So values and culture, how do those things benefit a company when it comes to recruitment? Every company at the moment needs all the uh, assistance they can get when it comes to recruitment. So how does it work in that context? Values are about supporting people's ambition to drive to be better, to be something that allows them to grow as people and within their careers. And a really good, strong set of values will attract people who feel connected to it through their own beliefs and through their own values, who feel that it's going to drive them on. And I don't care where you are in an organisation, by the way. I don't care what your job is. There is not a soul who does not want job satisfaction. There is not a soul in the world who doesn't want a sense of having achieved something, having got through a bit of a challenge and come out of it the other side. Even if people don't realise that's what makes them happy, there's a lot more research now into the fact that true happiness really needs that sense of challenge. So if you've got the right values in place for the sort of people that you want to have working for your organisation then it will draw those people, making it clear the expectations that sit alongside that, the expectations that people coming into the organisation can have is really compelling and really draws in talent. Thank you very much, Erica. I hope you found all these clips useful. If you did, there's a whole series of Ismian Conversation episodes for you to dig into. It's a huge resource of business advice. So please do subscribe to the podcast, but also head over to ismianco.com, where, of course, you'll find all of our podcast guests, 
but also all kinds of advice for business leaders. Thanks for listening.